no matter how hard we try, we are not going to get out of this world alive. Why is it then that we know that, but we do not plan for a smooth transition in our lives and in our business succession planning? Our guest on Georgia Podcast, Stephanie Scarborough, is the senior partner of Scarborough Law, will enlighten us how to empower us legally to take control of estate planning, business transactional law, and immigration. Welcome to the Georgia Podcast, featuring the who's who and what's new in Georgia. Made possible in part by Global Podcast Studios, offering podcast studio rentals, production, and distribution. Visit globalpodcaststudios.com. And by our friends at Serendipity Labs, co-working, private offices, and more. True inspiration at work. Learn more at serendipitylabs.com. Now join Rich Casanova, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta and worldwide across the PBC syndicated networks. All right, all right. We got another one. A great episode here for you today on the Georgia Podcast. Rich Casanova alongside my buddy, Artie Rudiman. We like to call him Artie-o. Hello. <laughs> all right. So uh, as, men- as, men- as Artie mentioned, we got a great uh, guest in the studio, Stephanie Scarborough, and we're going to be talking all things from a legal perspective, uh, personal uh, business law, estate planning. Uh, but for our business listeners, you're going to really enjoy their second segment. We're going to talk about how estate planning and these issues, the legal issues, can impact uh, positively or negatively on business, whether you t- are proactive about it, which I'm sure she's going to encourage you to do. We're going to talk about uh, asset protection, uh, protection planning for minor children, uh, all in her wheelhouse. And again, uh, you can check this all out at the website, and that's uh, Scarborough Law. Dot com. All right, Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about the Alfredo Chamber as well. How, how long have you been a member? So I've been a member of the Alfredo Chamber, I guess, for two years. Okay, nice. And I find it to be a terrific resource. I mean, they are very dynamic in how they support businesses. There you go. That's a soundbite for Nancy. Nancy, if you're that's listening, for Nancy, anyway, yeah. that's just for you. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the end of our show. Thanks for being here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Artie, uh, you mentioned in the intro uh, about these... Uh, challenges that businesses or individuals can uh, can have. You want to uh, take the lead on this first segment about business law and all things uh, legal. A- absolutely. Uh, first of all, we can start out with a chat and let our audience know that we had together, Stephanie and I, before uh, we went on air, and that was about an experience that I had uh, with an H. H-1B. H-1B. I always reverse that yeah. order. H-1B. Thank you. And, and I was the uh, COO of an engineering company, and we had to ramp up very quickly from 20 engineers to over 50 engineers, which meant that I had to go outside this country to fill because at that point in time, which was around 2011, 2000. Anyway, it was very difficult, and I, I went through an attorney, and I followed everything that they told me to do as far as listing uh, in newspapers and on the Internet and putting up signs in our kitchen, but we had multiple offices. In your I kitchen? Well, that's right, in the in the uh, kitchen Oh, room. The, the, the office kitchen at, at yeah. the work. I thought you had to, <laughs> at your kitchen at the house, whatever, yeah. <laughs> now it makes sense. <laughs> All right, Rich. <laughs> more, I need some more coffee. I'll be right back after this. <laughs> One yeah. more coffee. If I said canteen, I'll give you okay, that. There you go. Okay, so uh, anyway, at, at the end of the day, after almost six years, mm-hmm. after six years of process and over $15,000 developing this employee for their green card, right, we got a notice from the Labor Department that it was the notice wasn't put into our office in New Orleans 
and they denied him. So this this is incredible how important it is. And this is on the immigration side, but it's just as important on business succession and on your personal lives as well for, for retirement or in your demise. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned the H-1B, and that's how I got started in law. I was working for a multinational corporation, and we had the same issue. We had to ramp up really quickly, and my first job out of the military was working for a multinational company, and we had to file a bunch of H-1Bs. You know, back then it was pretty easy, um, you know, the H-1B part, but what you're talking about is a labor certification and the importance of, of compliance for a business, complying with the rules and really partnering with an attorney who can guide you through the process so you don't make those simple errors. That was that was relatively simple error. It was one more posting that had to be made. And, it, you know, you just it dropped the ball. No one told you to post it at the canteen, right, or the, you know, the office, <laughs> the the office canteen. Rich's kitchen. <laughs> Rich's kitchen. But in, the, but in the New Orleans location, right? That's what you're saying. So you had different locations? Right. The employee was for six years in the Houston office. Yeah. So to me, why yeah. we didn't, why did you need it? You have location? to alert any potential U.S. workers when, for a permanent residency. Oh. So the Department of Labor is very, very careful If I may, in case our listeners want to know the process, you actually have to uh, uh, have um, appointments and interviews with people Mm -hmm. who are qualified for the job and list why they did not get the job if they're Americans before you could hire an an immigrant. Yeah, for instance, so um, on a non-immigrant part for the H-1B we were talking about, that's a specialty worker. Those are those engineers, accountants, uh, professionals usually, or um, people who... Um, for, for whom like a, a job requires a bachelor's degree or higher. Um, that those workers, you don't have to test the labor market. So when you hired that guy, for instance, for his first six years, because there's a six-year maximum on the H-1B, you didn't have to test the labor market. But when you wanted to keep him beyond the six years and file a permanent residency petition, a green card, you filed what's called a labor certification at the time. Now it's called a PERM, Permanent Labor Certification. And for that, you have to test the labor market. It's it's a very um, you know long process. So you have to advertise in six different areas. So you know, newspapers and one I won't get into the nitty gritty. You have to advertise in six different places. If you drop the ball in one of them, or you don't fit within the statutory timelines, so there are really strict timelines as far as recruiting. If you don't do that and you fail to test to truly test the U.S. labor market. Um, then you won't get an approved perm. And, and even more, what would happen if you um, petitioned for that guy, you did test the labor market, and you had a worker who fit the job and, and was qualified, you wouldn't be able to hire that. You, know, you wouldn't be able to get a green card for that H-1B worker. So that's why we do it. The, the regulation on a perm, a permanent re- uh, labor certification, requires us to test the labor market. Well, Let me ask you a dumb question here. Um, so... All of those processes that need to take place, do you all uh, coach or advise people, or do you actually do some of this as well on their behalf, or as a, co- as a hybrid? Or Yeah, we provide the um, – well, on our side, we can provide you all of the guidance, right? Okay. We give you the guidance. In fact, we help with the advertising. We say this is, you know, two, two, two weekly newspapers in your area. That here's what meets the regulation. What we can't do and what we don't get involved in is coaching on selecting and interviewing, right? That's yeah. the job of the employer because it is a true test of the labor market. Um, contrary to, to belief or even rhetoric out there, um, when you hire somebody on a green card on an employment base, 
we really do test the labor market. I mean, if if you know, we publicize fairly widely. Usually, we're spending two to five thousand dollars on on publicity, you know, on these uh, requirements, and the the employer is the one interviewing. Now, we do say you have to bring that person in for an interview if they fully qualify. So we'll, if, if, if somebody's on the fence and say, well, this person has a bachelor's, but it's not in our area, if it's close enough, we'll say bring them in for an interview. Make sure you interview them. If they fully qualify, then you know, maybe that person, you know, your beneficiary might not be able to get the green card. But yeah, we can coach up to a certain point, but we don't want to interfere with the actual selection process. Well, we started off talking about immigration, but mm-hmm. the real theme of this podcast really is, hey, kids, don't try this at home. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. It, or it, on the internet, ta- yeah. Yeah, we're talking about compliance, right? Yeah, that's We're talking about business compliance, right? Well, thank mm-hmm. you, and we're really talking more than just immigration. We're talking about Scarborough Law's ability and experience with business transactional uh, uh, planning and uh, with succession mm-hmm. and, and, and many other issues. So tell us a little bit about Scarborough Law. Tell us about your credentials and, yeah. and where you have services. I see there are multiple states. Right, right. We're, um, I'm New York Bard and Georgia Bard. So we actually have offices in Florida and Georgia, though, right now. So we have a team in Florida that handles mostly immigration for multinational corporations. And here in Georgia, we handle business transactions, estate planning, and immigration because I started, um, you know, I did start in immigration. Immigration, oddly enough, led me to estate planning. <laughs> um, you know, um, when you have foreign nationals in the United States, and sometimes, unfortunately, they pass away, just like Americans pass away, <laughs> and um, no, nobody's prepared for what happens. So, um, you know, whether you're a business owner and you're dealing with the death of an employee, you know, and we have to get involved from an immigration perspective, but then we get involved from an estate planning perspective also in wow. helping people, right? No, nobody, no foreign national comes into the United States and thinks, I need a durable power of attorney to make sure if I die while I'm here, yeah. I'm going to be taken care of, right? And no business owner thinks, what kind of plans do I need to make in case one of my employee di- employees die? What kinds of insurances do I have to have? What policies do I have to put in place to make sure that if I lose an employee, um, am I going to pay to repatriate the body back to their home resident home home? Uh-huh. Right. This sounds no, very, no very, business com- this is very complicated. There's a lot of moving parts to that, which you just explained. So that's why you need your services. Uh, as I already mentioned, in addition, uh, the uh, other states, I'm looking at your website and um, it's also interesting, the range and the variety of, uh, of clients, including uh, information technology, business uh, process outsourcing, telecom, healthcare, real estate investment, and also, I notice these two, religion and sports, whatever, not not combined. They're separate, <laughs> order, right? But, but some people do take their religion as uh, sports. But um, what are some examples of those type of industries or companies that you've worked with that's kind of unique um, in, in those uh, sectors, I guess? Or So IT is probably by far the biggest okay. that we, we deal with on the immigration side and business side. Um, the IT companies face um, some huge challenges on the business end, um, you know, non-disclosure agreements and contracts that they have to place. We do a lot of contract work with IT companies, a lot of immigration work. Um, That's actually a nice and diverse field within itself for IT because we deal with some really cool e-commerce. So some of the websites that you go on to buy jewelry for your spouse or or, um, makeup and things like that, we've worked with those companies. We've worked with tax preparation companies, some of the largest in the country, and, um, and even some of the retailers. So we we run the gamut actually, and they're really exciting. 
the religious you mentioned religion yeah, right, yeah. religion as a sport <laughs> yeah religion is um is neat because we get to work with like hindu temples oh, wow. we work with um episcopal churches yeah. um, catholic churches when somebody wants to bring in a priest we work with them yeah. we've also helped them on the business end i mean um you know a, a not-for-profit is still a business and yeah. they also mm -hmm. have You're the right. same issues oh, that, that any other mm -hmm. business does in terms of con needing contracts dealing with employment compliance and we we've worked with um you know religious organizations on that mm -hmm. two quick questions um on this topic is the uh, it space what about cybersecurity? where does it, does that come into play of a uh, challenges i mean from a legal perspective not necessarily from hiring per se but um, yeah cybersecurity. we obviously we're not technicians but yeah. we, we don't get involved in cybersecurity. but it does come into play in terms of how are how are you developing the processes right. to make sure that you are that you're you know that you secure your data because remember we're dealing in in employment the employment right, side, exactly, yeah. we're dealing with social security numbers, yeah, exactly. dates of birth, names, same thing on the immigration side, and and companies get hacked and oh, all the mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Right. So, um, and also we have GDPR in Europe, so right. we deal with European companies, and um, GDPR is basically a privacy act, right. and we can't share information. So it used to be, we'd say, you know, give me this person's five uh, pay slips, and they they just shoot them over by email. And right. now with right. cybersecurity, we have to be very aware of what's coming to us from the client also and say, look, you can't send us that, you know, through right. this means. Mm -hmm. And the last yeah. topic uh, is on uh, uh, health care. That's a very complicated segment industry as well. And HIPAA certification comes into play as well, I guess. Right. Yeah. In fact, my first um, my first immigration client and uh, one of my first immigration clients, I should say, was dealing with a healthcare company. It was an IT company that was working oh, primarily uh, yeah. with a healthcare company. <laughs> and I remember when this new thing called HIPAA came around. And um, so I've I've kind of seen HIPAA throughout my entire career. Okay. But yeah, you have to deal with a lot of HIPAA issues, HIPAA-related issues yeah. when you're dealing with healthcare companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't do a great job on the introduction for you and your company. So there are many law firms that are small, medium, and large, and they all have different substantiated advantages. One could be geographic reach or mm -hmm. the diversity of what they apply themselves to. Tell us a little bit about uh, the size of your company. Uh, I see you have uh, offices in Jacksonville and here in Georgia, and um, in how many people you might have on staff, mm -hmm. and specifically their specialties that you concentrate on, which pretty much we covered mo a lot of before. Yeah, we have a we're a boutique firm, so we still retain that boutique presence while doing, um, I, I guess, on the, on the immigration side, we've been lucky enough to have some kind of high-volume clients and work with the, some, uh, some of the same clients even before I was an attorney. I, I mentioned um, before we went on air, I think I was telling you how I started in, in law, and that was because I worked for the multinational company, and um, that company is my client today. <laughs> so oh, wow. I went, I, you know, I learned, I learned immigration through them and business. Yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute, I should be going to law school to do this. <laughs> and then I still work with them today. Fabulous. So, um, so our firm is a boutique, about ten members. Mm -hmm. We have attorneys that handle uh, corporate immigration, family immigration in um, in Jacksonville, Florida. Right. Same thing here in Alpharetta. Our for our estate planning and business practice, we very much like to keep that like a boutique firm mm -hmm. because I feel like um, business owners and um, those seeking estate plans really need a personal family attorney. They need somebody who they're not afraid to call and say, hey, um, 
Yeah, my son is um, acting like an idiot, right? <laughs> I, to, to, you know, put it to, I have three boys, so I can say that. Um, I'm really worried about how I'm going to secure these assets for him because if he gets them at 18 outright, he's going to spend them, yeah. buy a Lamborghini and crash it. I, you know, all these terrible things that go through a mother's mind, right? Um, so, so um, you know, we re that's why we try to keep it more like on the personal family lawyer um, um you know, format in our firm here in Alpharetta. So I like the direct touch and with the well, clients. Well, I, yeah, I, mm -hmm. I can speak personally because I was that small, medium-sized business owner. And, um, you know, the when you're building a business, cash is always an issue, and you're not, you're not looking to buy more insurance than you need, let us say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, legal insurance, that's, and, and that's what really a relationship with an, an attorney is really about and especially when you have a family business you keep everything to yourself you know your, your finances your business planning so even to share that w with an attorney and yet it's so important because they need to have legal advice because as you said compliance it, well, you didn't say that it's changing every couple of months. But it is. Thank it you. Absolutely now is. you said it. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll, we'll talk about compliance. Yeah. But well, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that about about needing somebody to reach out to on the on the business. As a business owner, you need somebody that you can call and say, "Look, um, I I want to I want somebody to review this contract." But you don't want to pay them maybe two hundred and fifty dollars an hour, three hundred and fifty dollars right. an hour, whatever the the rate is. You know, to to every time you pick up the phone. So we actually do membership programs for business owners, and yes. where we um, will review their P and L every month. We'll review any contracts that they need. We'll do a certain amount for a flat rate, and that way they don't have to feel like the the clock is running right, every yeah. time they call. Because I, I'm I'm a business owner too, and I've been in that situation where you know cash flow might be short right, this exactly, month, yeah. and you need someone at least just to call and say, "Hey, is there something I should do? Should I get a line of credit? Should I not get a line of credit?" That's why we do our membership plans for business owners, and, and that is um, extremely beneficial. Yeah, that's a genius business model. Uh, so uh, we're going to pivot into our next uh, segment here. We got a, uh, we're about halfway through the show here, so we want to pivot from immigration to talk about uh, all things business law for businesses, from legacy a asset protection, formation, success planning. But I want to remind our listeners, you're listening to the Georgia Podcast here from our Alfreda Studios for the Pro Business Channel. Rich Castanova here alongside Artie Rudiman. We're having a great conversation with Stephanie Scarborough. And the um, best place to reach y'all would be the scarboroughlaw.com. Yeah, ScarboroughLaw.com or we care at ScarboroughLaw.com. Uh, okay. You can just email us, and um, our client services director, Bailey, will be happy to okay. shoot you back an email, and we'll get you on the phone. Nice. Mm -hmm. He's going to jump right on that. He's doing that right now. I yeah, think. exactly. Yeah. Write that down, Bailey. <laughs> All right, cool. So um, so our next segment, uh, Artie, let's let's kind of uh, drill down now on the business process. And I like this membership. Well, maybe tell you a little bit more about that, but also you do these workshops Talk to us about the workshop um, uh, piece because that's yeah. kind of interesting. So we do seminars for estate planning and right. business law. Uh, one thing I find with business owners is it's so easy to form a corporation now, right? You say, oh, I'd like to form an LLC. You go onto the Georgia website, the State Department website, and you uh, form a corporation. So they get the certificate of incorporation. They have that certificate of incorporation, and then they don't do anything else. There are no meeting minutes. There's no operating plan. There's no structure at all, and um, maybe most of the time they take on partners and they don't even issue share certificates. Mm -hmm. So then mm -hmm. what happens when things fall apart? 
they have nothing in place. So it's in in some sense, you know, technology has made it so easy for us. You don't have to. A lot of people think I don't have to pay an attorney to form a corporation because I can go on the Georgia website and do it for I think it's one hundred eighty-five dollars or something. But really, they are missing the best and most important component, and that is the operating agreement or and the and the business structure. Yeah, well, well that's a good topic. Uh, let's rewind to business structure. So, talks about the formation. What are some things people are um, uh, are missing out on, or you know, what, what are some of the process or steps in terms of the business formation? Um, really, um, number one, when you're a small business forming a corporation, <laughs> like getting it documented, getting an LLC or a C corp or whatever your chosen your chosen path is based on the type of business, getting the formation done first of all, right. just making sure you you um, you know do the deed. Um, a lot of people are confused about that. What what how to structure it, right? Yeah, some people have a business and they'll be making, you know, I, I have to say I belong to a lawyer's organization <laughs> and we were in a conference. I was speak, I'm on the board and we were speaking at a conference and um, I went to the board meeting and they said, oh, yeah, we're finally going to incorporate as a 501c3. <laughs> I'm like, um, we have a 200 and whatever. We had hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank and they're right. not even incorporated. Oh, wow. Whoa. So, um, yeah. Whoa. So you what, what happens is yeah. you lose the protections, right? Yeah, you sure. lose liability protections. If is, Some people operate as just a sole proprietor yeah. or you know, do 1099 employment for somebody. Even, you know, you think about. Let me let me give you an example, like in a landscaper. Uh, yeah. Right. Let's say you're a landscaper and you have a couple of um, pieces of equipment and you go out and you're trimming trees. Yeah, and yeah. You're, you know, you're uh, you're doing um, whatever landscapers do, blowing flowers. Leaves. And when we left the office, they were blowing leaves all yeah, over yeah. my car. So, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, so uh, let's say you have that. A lot of those guys, you know, they're just working on a 1099 basis, yep. meaning they're just getting cash from their clients. And they're paying out of that cash for their expenses. And if they have a guy helping them, they pay them cash. Um, what they're missing out on are some of those protections. What if you're on somebody's land and you break something? What if you're on somebody's land and you, you know, you, I mean, you create property damage, right? You yeah. create a liability for yourself. You're going to get personally sued. However, if you form an LLC or a C Corp, you're not going to get personally sued, right? There's a corporate veil that's there yeah. to protect you. So you're going to, the, the, the company might get sued, right. but there's personal protections that you can build in, where you um, you you know create kind of uh, you know protective a barrier for yourself, a buffer. Yeah. Uh, the guy who's just out there with his weed eater, and breaks somebody's you know cable line or something like that, right. he's got to pay that out of pocket. So. You know, um, well, you don't know, but I'll tell you that <laughs> I, <laughs> wow. am, uh, I am the CEO <laughs> of Innovative Growth Solutions, which is a corporate and business development firm. So I am at a client. It's a heavy industrial fabricator, and it's three brothers in their mid-50s to their mid-60s. And I always like to start out asking them before I start in my presentation to get a feel for who they are, what's the end game, Right. Perfect answer. Perfect question. Yeah. Thank Perfect you. Question. Thank oh. you. And one brother, the younger uh, of them, said, oh, I'm looking to sell. And you should have seen the faces oh. of the other two. And the point of that is here they are, a $20 million business, in business for 20 years, getting close to that retirement succession stage and absolutely zero planning. Wow. So I'm sure you had other stories like that. But tell, tell us about what your firm does and, and how you go about it and why it's so important that your clients or any prospect have some succession planning. It's actually one of the most important things you can do as a business owner, right? Um, it, I, I, I always I run into this issue even with attorneys, I have to be frank, because attorneys who are not in business law aren't thinking about succession planning. They're thinking, I love being an attorney. I'm going to work here as long as I can. I'm 70 years old, and I'm like, 
And I'll say the same thing. W- what are you going to do? You know, how long <laughs> are you going to do this? Right. And what's going to happen to your practice when you die? And uh, so, a solo practitioner attorney, for instance, would just not do anything. Yeah, they and when they go stare. away, they go their their practice goes away. Wow. So they don't have. But you know, there's there's a value in whatever you do. Those three guys. What would we do? We develop a succession plan. Believe it or not, I think we mentioned this a little bit before, before we before we went on air. But succession planning starts the day you form the company. And I mentioned how easy it is to go on to the Georgia, you know, Secretary mm-hmm. of State website and form a corporation. It's more than just punching those buttons and saying, "Here's the name I want to reserve for myself." It's what document do you create? What's the operating agreement? What's your buy sell agreement? What happens if something happens to one of the other owners? Um, you know, how can we build the um, into the operating agreement those those um, items that we need to make sure that that business is going to pass on the way we want it to pass on, or if I want to get out, that I can yeah. I can get my money back out. Predetermined. Yeah, yeah, you predetermine it. You say, look, um, if I want to sell my share in five years, what am I going to do? Am I going to do you guys as the other owners, if the three of us own a right, business yeah. together, do you two want an option to buy out first? Or can I just go and pick anybody up off the street and sell my shares to them no. without offering yeah. them to you first? That's a very important part because imagine if you don't have an operating agreement. We each own a third. I want to sell my share. Right. If if I don't like you guys, I'm going to go and give my share to Bailey, right? <laughs> right. I mean, and he, I'm going to sell my share. And yeah. guess what? You have a new partner. Yeah. What? Or the husband and wife, because um, a lot of times without the right documents in place, because we've had similar conversations in the past early on in establishing our business, and they said that um, many times the spouse by default auto- automatically becomes the third partner. Or oh, can yeah. be, right? Yeah, without, and that, that's where business law goes into estate planning. I'm may I, may mm-hmm. I add, you might not be dealing with the former partner's spouse, but the former partner's spouse's boyfriend who's now sitting in that office. No, oh, absolutely. <laughs> turned no, into a I, drama reality <laughs> show. I didn't expect it taking that turn or whatever. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. No, and this is where estate, estate planning and business law merge, right? Mm-hmm. Because yes. you have to really, and I, yes. I actually think estate planning is maybe a, bit, a better business lawyer because I'm thinking constantly about those issues, like what happens yeah. if you're incapacitated? And how are your business partners going to keep the business going? Like, you know, in every business, there's a grinder and there's a there's a guy who's out there, you know, who's out there networking. And there's somebody. So what happens if the grinder is incapacitated or the grinder can no longer function and you lose that person? I mean, that business succession planning, it starts the day you form the corporation and we establish that, you know, the the terms of the operating agreement, and it continues throughout your entire um, business where you have to constantly be revisiting those issues. You mentioned about the spouse and their new spouse, the spouse's (laughs) new boyfriend, (laughs) right? right? I mean, that's exactly what happens because the operating agreement doesn't list out who's going to get those shares. But that's exactly what happens, right? You pass away, your spouse gets your shares because you've willed them to your spouse, right? and then your spouse determines who's going to fill your shoes yeah. right and that the other the other partners might not like that so if i'm representing the company yeah then i'm going to so you know an attorney represents either the company or the individual um uh, business owners if i'm representing the company which i like to do then i'm going to put um put provisions into the operating agreement or a buy sell agreement that are going to make sure that um the company is secure 
So if if something happens to one of the one of the owners, then the that it, company, it survives. The yeah. company survives. Um, yeah. Because um, speaking of family, we've been talking a lot about family businesses and so forth, and uh, which is really um, that is the fuel and the engine behind the U.S. economy. I and mean, we've had all every level of the SBA in our studio, from the uh, district to the regional to actually the cabinet member, the SBA director that oversees the entire SBA organization. And uh, the reoccurring statistic is somewhere in the 97% percentile uh, of the economy is driven by businesses less than 100 employees, mm-hmm. right? And so in many cases, those are either they're uh, – well, they're mostly you – ha- you don't have corporations. You don't have Microsoft running a 100-person, right? right? right. <laughs> so they're mm-hmm. all family businesses in, the, in, in some shape or form, right? So along that line um, – um, so the second generation – um, and it's really what is the third generation. Typically, that's where the business has the uh, has the challenge because the second generation has lived in the household, has seen the sweats and tears and all of the uh, turmoil, the the good and bad days. But it's that third generation has no perspective of what the grandfather or the grandmother did, right? And so, is there a different uh, business strategy when you get into that third generation of like how to structure it or? Should that be determined, I guess, early on as well? Yeah, that has to be ter- determined early on. And, you know, I've seen um, and I've counseled grandparents. Wow. And that that where they've had, you know, seven or eight different businesses. Right. And they'll say, you know, my son can't do it. My yeah. grandson can't do right. it. And I don't know who's going to take over this business. And that's where an exit strategy is important. Yeah. That's where, like, I think that's where the value of our membership plans come in. Because as you are thinking about these things, and not just from the estate planning perspective, but if you're as you're thinking about what am I going to do with my business, I'm the only, uh, I'm the sole operator. Right. I do most of it. Yeah. You know, my spouse and I run the business. How am I going to pass this on? You have to really start planning. If your grandchildren have no interest in that business, you should be taking steps to build in the financial controls that might enable you perhaps to sell that business right. out, right. cash out. Cash out. Put that money in your trust yeah. for your grandchildren do if you want. And do something else. Different. And and I think that those are hard conversations that we do have with clients. Yeah. Is um is sometimes your 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 goal is to prepare your business for its eventual sale. Because it's it might happen during your lifetime, but for sure, if you have a grandchild who doesn't, who has no interest, and that's all, or, that's no, left, or no expertise, or whatever, no right? expertise, yeah, that's um, what's going to happen. Yeah, because on that final topic, uh, we've been talking about business succession planning. It's you no, m- immediately think in terms of like continuing the business going on, but that 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 or before we went on the air, we talked about day one, the exit strategy. Exit may not be turning it over to somebody else; it may be divesting yourself of that, right? Um, so not having it just kind of dwindle down and, and get diluted, you know, sell it at its. At its uh, heyday so to speak right and move on yeah exactly take the money and invest in another <laughs> another another investment right. i mean honestly i think we get emotionally tied to a business for instance where we'll be emotionally um you know you know um intent on keeping a hold of something yeah yeah but honestly as you reach you mentioned the three guys reaching their 60s one of those guys is obviously thinking you know <laughs> i, I want to go on a vacation well, they, right i mean i want to i've worked so hard right. for 30 years on building a business i'd like to like to enjoy it and sometimes that means stepping away and taking a cash out and right. and forgetting about that business and you know really that old adage you can't take it with you right so start yep. planning for what you're going to do with it all right, so on that note, uh, I believe that kind of wraps up this episode here. We're just about out of time, but uh, Stephanie, pleasure having you in the studio. One more time, how would people reach out to you? Or So they can um, reach out on our website, scarboroughlaw.com, or uh, just email us at wecare at scarboroughlaw.com. 
All right, Artie, great show. Or yes or yes? Of, of course it is. And, <laughs> and I'll give a shout-out to the Alpharetta yeah, Chamber of good Commerce, point, yeah. uh, which brings uh, Stephanie to us because the Alpharetta Chamber of Commerce helps the businesses and members. Matter of fact, um, Georgia Podcast welcomes, and it's a perk for chamber members to come and tell their story. Yep. All right, well said. So we'll see you on the next episode of Georgia Podcast. On behalf of the Pro Business Channel, we thank you for listening to the Georgia Podcast, featuring the who's who and what's new in Georgia. Made possible in part by Global Podcast Studios, offering podcast studio rentals, production, and distribution. Visit globalpodcaststudios.com. And by our friends at Serendipity Labs, co-working, private offices, and more. True inspiration at work. Learn more at serendipitylabs.com. Join Rich Casanova for the next Georgia podcast and download on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more.